You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome to another bonus episode of Go Hunt's Western Rookie Podcast. Like I said in the first bonus episode, this series is all about helping you get more tags out west this fall and have a more exciting fall coming up. And so this week we've got a triple header. We've got three topics coming up. I'm going to go over the first two really fast because the third one's pretty cool and we're going to spend most of our time on that third topic. So first up, South Dakota preference points, the deadline to buy your point for 2023 and use it for next year's application season is December 15th. So this is for anyone that's looking to hunt antelope or deer as a non-resident or the residents. They've got a couple other options like elk, bighorns, and um, I think that's it for the non-residents. I think bison's an option for both residents and non-residents, but mainly Deer and antelope is what we're talking about when it comes to non-resident South Dakota hunting. And your deadline to get that point is December 15th. So don't sleep on that. Points are sadly a part of the game if you want to hunt the West. And having more points unlocks more options for you. So there'll be a link down in the show notes to South Dakota's Game and Fish website where you can go and get your points. Next up is Nebraska the mountain lion application deadline is December 13th. So this is the application for this winter's mountain lion season. So that would be like the winter of 23-24. I believe the season kicks off after the new year. But if you want to hunt mountain lions in Nebraska this year, you got to apply by December 13th. And we're going to put a link to Nebraska's Fish and Game website as well in the show notes. So... Those are the first two real quick just announcements. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this bonus episode, and that's Alaska. That's right, Alaska's big game applications are coming due. The deadline is December 15th at 5 p.m. Alaska Standard Time. So I would not wait until the 15th. I would just make sure you get yours in before the 15th to play it safe, but the deadline is on the 15th of December. You should get your results before February 16th. So not too long of a wait. 
and you're going to be distracted by all kinds of applications come February, so it's going to feel really short. But Alaska has, for the draw portion of their big game system, it's really nice. So Alaska is actually one of the few states that's fighting back against point creep. If you listen to the podcast, if you've been hunting the West for any period of time, you know that point creep is a very real thing. And what we mean by point creep is more and more people applying for units and the points needed to draw these units goes up and up every year. So for example, our group likes to hunt the general Wyoming elk tag. When we started, that was every two and a half years to draw that tag. Now it's getting up to three and a half, soon to be four points to guarantee that tag. And it's just going to keep going up. That's what point creep is. In certain units, you can chase point creep your entire life and you'll never catch it. So, for example, the northwest corner of Colorado currently takes max points to draw. And there, for someone like me, there's statistically more people waiting ahead of me with max points and people ahead of me in the point curve that I'll probably never draw the northwest corner of Colorado for an elk hunt. Just the way it is, it's point creep, but that's why tools like Draw Odds from Go Hunt Insider help you know where you stand and if it's worth waiting for a certain unit or should you cash in now and get some time out in the field. But Alaska doesn't use a point system, which is great. Alaska is a no-point random draw lottery. Everyone has equal odds. Non-residents and residents are all in the same pool, and there are no non-resident quotas, which means... You truly are at an equal odds with everybody else in Alaska's application season. It's one of the few systems like it. You know, Idaho doesn't have a point system for their draw, and New Mexico doesn't have a point system for their draw. But both of those states have non-resident quotas. So Alaska's pretty special for the non-resident. Definitely thank residents when you're there. Be nice because, it, you know, it's a big deal. Not many states offer that. Now, With party apps, Alaska is kind of in the middle. You know, Idaho really doesn't allow you to do many over-the-counter party hunting because it's a first-come, first-serve with that random lottery assignment or the random number assignment that we talked about last week. Well, Alaska lets you apply in groups of up to two. So that basically means you and a partner, you and a spouse, you can apply as a group and make sure you get to go, but any groups bigger than two, you're going to have to gamble and, and apply as separate parties. So keep that in mind. Honestly, I don't know if that's going to come up much. It's going to be pretty hard finding a group of people larger than two to go to Alaska just due to the, the logistics of it. But if you find two or th- more people, you just have to apply in separate groups. Leftover tags, it's first come, first serve. Um, It will be at the discretion of that local area's biologist, but it's a first-come, first-served basis. And the price, I mean, it's it's all over the place, folks. Anywhere from $60 for a wolf tag to $2,200 for a muskox tag. And so the easiest way to find out is either check the Alaska Game and Fish website or go to Go Hunt and just check the Alaska application strategy article, and it's got all of the... All of the costs broken out for you. You will need a hunting license, but that's typical with every state. So the breakdown, that's all the quick information. You know, December 15th, don't forget that day. Um, Groups of up to two, everyone's got equal odds. Those are the keys. But the breakdown, let's get into like hunting and applying in Alaska. So Alaska has three different types of tags. There's draw permits, there's registration permits, 
and there's general hunts. So the draw permits, these are for when demand is higher than the quota. Now, there's a limited number of tags. It's both for highly coveted areas and places where they just want to reduce hunting pressure. Not all of these draw permit hunts are great hunts. You know, typically in the West, the more, um, the harder it is to get a tag, the better the hunt generally is. In Alaska, that's not always the case. Sometimes it certainly is. Sometimes the draw permit is going to be, you know, what we would call a trophy hunt or a trophy unit, but it's not always a trophy unit. So be intentional when you're picking draw permits if you're going the draw permit strategy. That's where you're going to apply, you know, either single or in pairs with no points and everyone's on the same page for odds. The next one is registration permits. Now, this is a typically used as a population control tool for the fishing game department. So this is places where they just want to, they want to knock numbers down a little bit to read objective. Um, maybe they're in places where it's like highly urbanized and they're just looking for more population control. But that's generally what the registration permits are for. The last category is the general hunts. So this is your over-the-counter option. Most of these tags are available every year. Some tags have certain special considerations or special rules where you might not be able to get that tag every year. But these are where the true gems of the state are. These general hunts, there's a lot of them that are open for um, DIY non-resident hunters. And so that's another thing we'll talk about down below. But the general hunts is where most of the tags are. So once you get a tag, the next thing you want to talk about is the harvest tickets and the locking tags. So a harvest ticket acts as your license for most of the general season hunts, and those are free. So that's your license to be able to be there. Now, if you're a resident, that's generally all you have to have, in, except for a certain few species. But as a non-resident, you have to buy the locking tags. This is that metal piece of, this metal tag that you wrap around the animal, you attach it to the animal, and that is like your tag or your harvest tag, your harvest permit. The locking tags, which is interesting in Alaska, locking tags can be used on a species of equal or lesser value as long as you have the corresponding harvest ticket for that second species. So, for example, you're going to Alaska on a moose hunt, and you're hunting in a place that has a lot of caribou and black bears, right? You could apply or buy a second tag and get the harvest ticket for both the caribou and the bear, and if you buy the caribou locking tag, you could also use it on a black bear instead. You still only get one animal, but you can use it on an animal of lesser value. And that's where you go back to the Go Hunt Alaska application strategy article and you see all of the values. Or you go to the Alaska Fish and Game website and you see all the values. I mean, of course, you could use your moose for a lesser value. But if you're going for a moose, you might not want to use your locking tag on a black bear because you want that opportunity at the moose. So that's just something that can throw a nice little wrench in your plans. It can add for all kinds of planning and debate on what your strategy should be. But it's a very unique rule in Alaska that allows you to use locking tags for lesser and species that have a lesser valued locking tag. So now we get into the, the fun part, non-resident outfitter rules. 
So a lot of people assume to hunt Alaska, you need an outfitter. And that's true for certain things, but not all of them. And so here is the simple breakdown. All brown, all non-residents hunting brown bears or grizzlies, Rocky Mountain goats, or doll sheep must use an outfitter. That's it. That's as simple as it gets. Those three species for non-residents, you have to use an outfitter. You can utilize an Alaskan resident that has a second-degree kindred as a guide. And what second-degree kindred is, you have to look it up on the website. They have, a, they have it broken down on what that means, but it's basically a family member relation. And, they, and it only goes so far. So you can't have like a 14th cousin be your guide for those species. So that's where it comes to the simple rule, you know, brown bears and grizzlies, Rocky Mountain goats, and doll sheep, once again, all non-residents must use an outfitter or a second kindred Alaska resident. For the rest of the species, some permits require guides, some do not, so you have to make sure you know which hunt code you're applying for, but almost all of the remaining species in Alaska have a DIY non-resident option for their general hunt, which is like the over-the-counter option. So if you want to go moose hunting, muskox, deer, elk, all of these other species, as long as it's not a brown bear or a grizzly bear, a Rocky Mountain goat, or a doll sheep, you should have an option somewhere in the state of Alaska to do a DIY non-resident hunt without an outfitter. Now, that's huge because outfitters are expensive. Um, obviously, you get a lot with an outfitter, but most of us, myself included, just simply can't afford to be hunting, you know, Yukon moose with an outfitter. I don't have the thirty dollars or $40,000 that it's going to cost to hunt a Yukon moose in Alaska with an outfitter, but I can do it DIY. So keep that in mind. If you're going to apply for the permit, make sure you know if you're applying for a DIY or an outfitter required tag. And with the general hunts, nearly every species has a general hunt option. So deciding the best one for you is where you're going to want to go to filtering 2.0. Go Hunt Insider's filtering tool makes it incredibly easy to figure out where you want to hunt. You don't want to be picking units in Alaska at random because you're going to want to understand the logistics of getting to your unit, what the terrain is like. There's a lot that goes into planning a Western hunt, and there's even more that goes into planning an Alaskan hunt. So make sure you do your research, and there's not an easier tool out there to do your research than filtering 2.0. Highly recommend it. We went over all of the filtering 2.0 benefits in the last podcast, but if you want to use it, go to gohunt.com. There's a link down below. Use the code Western, and you're going to get that $50 credit towards their gear shop. Last episode, it was $100 because of their Black Friday special. Now it's $50 for the remainder of the year. So use that, plan your hunt, find the unit for you, but once you get your tag, there's a couple of unique aspects of hunting in Alaska that you want to be aware of. Number one, planning, planning, planning. You cannot plan too much to hunt in Alaska. We've had guests on the podcast that have shared that exact same story. You got to get to Alaska. You got to find planes to get around in Alaska. The weather can throw a wrench in things. You can get stranded. In your town like Fairbanks or Juneau, you can get stranded out in the mountain because they can't come get you off. 
The weather can throw a wrench in all of it. So it's tons of logistics. So just make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. You have the right gear for the job. You have a plan in place. You know where you're going to try to find someone that's done it if possible, because there's a lot of planning that goes into hunting Alaska. There's also a lot of special regulations. For example, each unit might have different regulations on what a legal animal is. Some units for moose, for example, it could be a 50-inch wide bull or four brow tines. In other units, it might be a 40-inch wide moose. So you need to make sure you check what the special regulations are for your unit, and you know how to judge these animals. I mean, I personally don't think I'm good enough to to know the difference between a 48-inch moose and a 51-inch moose. And so that's where I'm going to be relying on the brow tines um, law. So I'm looking for four brow tines on a side. They also have stricter wanton waste laws for most of their big game animals. What that means is, you know, in the States, you're probably required to take the steaks, the tenderloins, and the quarters right? The backstraps, tenderloins, and the quarters. In Alaska, for a lot of the animals, you're required to take almost every bit of edible meat. So you're required to take the rib meat for a lot of animals, the neck meat, all the shank meat, the, the quarters, of course, the, the backstraps, the tenderloins, all of that stuff you're required to remove. And each unit might have certain laws on what that is for what species you're hunting. So just make sure you do all kinds of planning. You document this stuff Write it down, print it off, bring it with you so you don't put yourself in a bad situation. And bear preparedness. Everyone knows there's a lot of grizzlies and brown bears in Alaska. You're going to see them. Every podcast guest that we've had on the show has talked about seeing brown bears in Alaska. Some of them have hunted them, some of them haven't, but they all have seen them. You're going to want to plan for bears, whether that's spray, firearms, electric fencing, have a plan for bears, know what you're going to do, know what you're going to do if you get an animal and where you're going to put it. Make sure you're being safe because no one wants to go to Alaska and get mauled by a brown bear. And that's it. That's the quick overview. If you want the full breakdown on applying and hunting in Alaska, go head over to Go Hunt, sign up for the Insider. You're going to get all of the details. You're going to get mapping. You're going to get the application strategy articles, the filtering 2.0, Find the species and the units you want to apply for and get a tag for this fall. And if you don't have a Go Hunt Insider yet, use the code WESTERN and you're going to get $50 of gear shop credit when you sign up. So click the link below, go over to Go Hunt, start planning your 2024 hunting season.